0: This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org party today.
1: Welcome to Intuitive Connections, where spirituality and psychology meet to help you be your best and brightest self. I'm your host, Victoria Shaw, and in each episode, I'll help you to awaken your own inner wisdom, step into your power, and live a more divinely inspired life. You're here to let your inner light shine. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hello, and welcome to Intuitive Connection. Today, I am super duper excited because we have such a cool guest. This is a new soul sister that I have met through my work at the Institute for Creative Living. Did I say the name of that right, Lisa? Yes. Okay, because sometimes I get that wrong. Anyway, we met through a workshop I did with them. We're both on the faculty there. She's balls. I just got to be a guest on her show. I'm so excited to share her with you. And Yeah. So today I'm welcoming Lisa McCourt, who is the founder of Joy School and the author of Vibration Elevating Books that have sold over 8 million copies. So mind blown there. That is, you live living my childhood fantasy, my friend. No, so cool. And so cool about the work that you're putting out there in the world and the love and the joy that you're sharing with others. I'm so excited to have you welcome Lisa McCourt.
0: Thank you so much, honey.
1: I'm so excited and um just feel such a connection with you and so exciting when that happens and that's one of the things that I love about doing this podcast is the people I've met and the conversations I get to have and then I get to share them with listeners so I hope y'all are enjoying them too. But for me, you know, we're going to talk about joy today. This podcast, this experience is such an exercise in joy. And you know, I think it goes to speak to the fact that, you know, a lot of times we think wow, to be productive, to get things done, to make my impact in the world, it has to be hard, right? It has to be work and work can't be fun. Work for me is totally fun. But you know, this goes to show you that when you follow your joy, magical things happen. And sometimes you you know even make other people happy too.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. The rub off effect. And, and just, we are here to spill out what's in us. That's how we can affect others. We have to take care of that inner joy so that we can spill it out. Otherwise we're not doing anybody any good.
1: I love that. I love that. And I think it's so true. And I remember when I was early on my journey and learning about taking care of me. And everyone gave that analogy of like the oxygen mask on the plane, you know, you you gotta breathe first or the pitcher that has to be full, you know, but it was all still in my mind. It was good. It got me in there because I cared so much about my kids, so much about my family. So if I said I'm taking care of myself for them, you know, then at least it got me, it got me hooked. But that's still in my mind, not enough because really you have to be committed to taking care of
0: yourself for you, Yeah. right? Because you matter most, right? I've been talking about that lately too. I know you and I have been talking about a lot of the same things with all the craziness happening out there in the world, but it can make us feel so powerless until we really remember and get clear that we are enormously powerful in the energy that we're putting out there in the world. And taking care of that is the best thing we can do for everyone around us and the world. And as you have just mentioned, it would be nice if it were enough to say, do this for you, You know, be all of this for yourself. But for a lot of us, a lot of us empaths, like I know you've been talking about and a, a lot of caring, compassionate people, it almost feels like a luxury to be able to focus on your own happiness and you feel guilty if we are in a position where we can focus on our own happiness. It makes us feel like we must be bad people. An author that I have the utmost respect for, I do a lot of work with LGBTQ and he's like a really uh, loud advocate for the LGBTQ community, John Pavlovich, he recently wrote about the privilege of positivity. And I was like, ouch, Like I read it and it kind of like, Ooh, is that what I'm out there doing and preaching? Do I have the privilege of positivity? Whereas a lot of people just don't have that privilege. And, you know, we talked about it in my joy school and we all did a little soul searching and I'm very clear that it's like that analogy about you can't help someone out of a well by jumping in the well. You have to stay up top to lower the rope. And somebody has to work hard to maintain a higher vibration frequency in order to be able to uplift what's going on and uplift the frequency of everybody else.
1: You know, I think it's a common misunderstanding and a common, you know, in, in some ways, trap that we can sometimes fall into. When you gave that example, what I think about is this, you know, Eckhart Tolle, who is a spiritual teacher that I love, talks about the pain body. And I love this concept because it's almost like there's this energy of pain. It's in the human realm and it really likes to reproduce itself. It really likes to get us hooked back into this idea that life has to be painful, right? And it's tricky. It's tricky. And I think that you know that's an example of that. That's an example of that disempowered sense of, I can't be happy if. I can't be happy if the world isn't the way i need it to be i can't be happy if you know you are not the way i need you to be you can be happy right now no matter what you could be happy in the middle of a jail cell you could be happy on a battlefield now hopefully that's not your experience and it doesn't need to be your experience and if you don't find happiness in those situations be kind to yourself you know my mind makes me unhappy in much <laughs> much more benign circumstances so you know um it's not a judgment thing but i think that this is a misunderstanding right that something else about the world that it's not okay just to feel good because you feel good when we both know that's your
0: birthright. Absolutely. We do a lot of Eckhart Tolle work and joy school. And one of my favorite terms of his, when he talks about the pain body is that we digest our pain body. And I love that image, that symbolism because we all have a part of us that's dense and, and dark and more tuned into lower vibration, emotions and thoughts and feelings and frequencies. We've all got that to some extent, but the work that Eckhart Tolle teaches is every time we can become the observer of that within ourselves and see, Oh, that's my pain body being triggered and use the tools to not engage to somehow by being the observer, not allow ourselves to get sucked up into that. Every time we do that, we're digesting a little bit more of the pain body. And that to me is just like that carrot that says, okay, I'm going to feel this sometimes. I'm a human being. I'm going to get triggered. Let me use this opportunity as a gift to digest a little bit more of my pain body so that that trigger isn't quite as pointy the next time that it, it comes near me.
1: So beautifully put. And I would say too, In my experience, having been through a a particularly triggering period of life as of late, it's any moment, and life is just like that anyway, right? For many of us. But it's any moment when you have that realization. Sometimes we get, at least I get... Up until now, in this headspace of like, I gotta do something now. Like here, this is activated. How do I fix it? How do I solve it? How do I get present? I gotta try to get present right now. You can't try to get present. <laughs> right? Like that's just another. That's just a little bit of resistance to what you're experiencing. So it really presence is just noticing, being aware. If you get sucked up into it, you get sucked up into it. Then you come back. And then you're like, oh, I was sucked up in that. Okay. You know, and so recently, as of yesterday, my walk on the beach, my guides have told me don't use the word tools. And again, you all use the word tools if the word tools resonates with you. This was specific to me, but I'm bringing it up because it might be relevant. But for me, they were like, and I use tools everywhere. Everything is like toolkit this and toolkit that it's like, it's kind of part (laughs) of my brand. But the reason for me, they were saying not to use the word tools as of late is because tools you think of fixing something. Right. And so we think like, there's a problem to be fixed. You're not a problem to be fixed. Life is not a problem to be fixed. It's to be experienced. It's to be cherished. It's to be loved, you know, and that's where the presence and the joy comes from. So they said, you know, say skills, when you teach your intuition class, I'm doing one this weekend, you know, switch from tools to skills. And of course you can build things with tools too. So again, if the word tools is not triggery for you, you know, you, you go with it. Um, but it was such a powerful reset for me of, oh, skills. All right, that's, that's totally different, right? It's a totally different energy to say I have these skills to navigate something, to deal with something, to live with something you know, in, a, in a grander way. It's very different than fixing a problem.
0: I love that. I love that. I always talk about how words are so powerful. There's little energy packets and there is a connotation there. I never thought about that. I use tools all the time. Yeah. yeah. And I always try to make sure that what I'm trying to share with people isn't what people think of with personal development. You know, I, I call the the weekly things home play instead of homework for that reason. Like love it. so so many people are afraid of healing and personal development, and rightly so, because they've heard about these, you know, tough love weekend retreat kind of situations. And I've done them all and I know that they have their merits, but it's scary, right? So right. people are afraid to go there because of that. And I I always want to convey that it does not have to be like that. And if it's anything that's making you feel Worse about yourself, it's not going to help in the long run. Like it's all about loving ourselves right where we are and accepting ourselves. So I am so happy that your guides shared that with you because I'm going to be more careful about the way I use the word tools. Yeah.
1: And again, I don't know if it's for everyone, it came up for me, but it's that same idea. And I love what you're saying about the personal development world because oftentimes when we think about healing and developing, we think about fixing what's wrong with me? And I promise you, there's nothing wrong with you. You are a beautiful emanation of the one divine source. Like You are amazing. And that's what we're getting towards now, a world where we remember that more and more and more. And that's what you're about too. So talk about Joy School, how this got started, how you became the lady who does this.
0: I know. It's a weird job, right? I teach joy. It's like sounds like I'm circus people or something. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I was a very unhappy, low vibration child and young adult, and started finding tools for that in my early twenties and my in my young adulthood and never really saw it as anything to do as a career. It was like my secret closet hobby to do all these uh, personal developments. And I did a big Buddhist training and TM teacher for a while. And all of those things were like my side gig. And I thought that my only talent and superpower was writing because that was just the only thing I was ever any good at, like in school or anything. And I know that's just because I was such an avid journaler as a kid because journaling was like my lifeline and my sanity and my savior and anything that we put a lot of time into is what we get better at. So somehow the fact that I could write got me through school. And I thought, well, my whole career has to be around that. So I was in publishing for a long time. And then just as this very intentional (laughs) meaning tons and tons and tons of trainings and money spent and all of that as this very intentional journey in spirituality and personal growth got to be more and more prominent in my life. It just became like, there's nothing else that I can do with my life. Nothing else would have any meaning whatsoever. I've completely changed who I am with this. So I want to bring this to other people who might be in a a low vibration position who would like to have a higher vibration life. And I just, I just started doing it willy nilly here and there workshops like over 20 years ago. And then I wrote a Hay House book about it. And those tools that I wrote about in the Hay House book are still the foundational piece for Joy School, but I've like added and done so much since then that I always called it joy because I felt like that's the end goal. Like, that's the piece that we all want from the beginning of time. Everyone, you know, has just wanted to be happier. And from all of my spiritual training and understanding, we want that because it is who we truly are at our core. This animating force that gives life and animation to this meat sack that we're living in is pure love and joy. And it's in every one of us. And most of us are not experiencing that on a day-to-day basis as our true self. So it's about identifying and helping to comb away all of the obstructions to us feeling ourselves as the peace and joy and love that we are. So yeah, right now it's called Joy School. It's been called other things in the past. I had the Love Shack for a while and it's always been collaborative. I always wanted to like bring in other teachers and speakers because one of my Joy Schoolers used a term for me that I love that I need to get into my, you know, social media or something which is that I'm a curator. She was explaining Joy School to someone else and she said Lisa is a curator of spiritual and personal growth materials and I loved that because that's truly what it feels like is, you know, none of this originated with me. I'm not having these kind of downloads. Like I think sometimes I kind of have a download, but for the most part I'm saying, "Hey, let me tell you what Eckhart Tolle says about the pain body. Let me tell you what Joe Dispenza says about these bits of information that are swirling around us." I'm like, like sort of selectively delivering material with a little bit of a purpose because, you know, especially now with the year of joy, it makes sense chronologically, like the way it's laid out. But I really am just a curator of things that I've learned because it's so important to me to help other people to see it too, right? Don't we have that feeling? All of us who are in this work, it's just like, there's nothing else that would be more meaningful. Yeah.
1: I hear you a thousand percent. And there's so many things that I want to pick up on what you said. So I have to figure out what I, where I want to start. Uh, the one thing that struck me, and it struck me when I read your bio preparing for our interview today, and it's something that I noticed with a lot of my guests, that early interest in spiritual development, right? And I wonder if that's like, I don't know what that is, but uh, for me, it was, I, I didn't know meditation, but I took some classes in high school that you know really got my spiritual I was interested in consciousness and I was interested in understanding the Bible, but more philosophically. But I see that a lot in my guests, people that, you know, we had an astrologer recently who was like, yeah, I started studying astrology when I was 10. I was like, what? (laughs) No one in my family could understand why, but I just knew that was something I was interested in. So I don't know what your thoughts are about that. Like, why do you think there's some of us that just... You know, Because back when we were kids, right, it wasn't out there everywhere like it is today.
0: I know exactly what it was for me because I have all my journals. I've got oh, a of my journals taller than I am. So I was a dark, dark child living in a dark, dark world. And somehow, and I wish I had written in my journal how this book came into my hands, but I was 14 years old and Wayne Dyer's very first book, Your Erroneous Zones, Somehow I got hold of this book and it opened up this. It just felt like there's a person out there who understands me, who's sees me, who I, I feel the world through this person's eyes. And my 14 year old journal is filled with me and my little handwriting, like just copying passages and passages wow. from your erroneous zones. And Wayne was my, my entry point. And from there, I learned that there were other books that were sort of like that. And I just, you know, books were the the thing before I, you know, got old enough to afford trainings and teachings and retreats and
1: Wow, I'm just getting chills all over the place when I hear that story and that connection. That's amazing. That's so cool and I can't wait to read your biography so that we know the the whole trajectory when you when you get ready to do that. But <gasps> what a force he was <laughs> for so many people. Absolutely. What was it for you? You know, for me it was a similar story. Like definitely a low vibe, pain-centered childhood. I had a teacher in high school and uh, I think he was really the big awakener for me. And we read books. I mean, some of it was pretty dark. We read like Kafka. I fell in love with Kafka in high school. So that's still pretty, pretty dark, but you know, existentialism. And, and I took a class called Bible as Literature. And so it was like the philosophy of the Bible. And for me, what it was that was so important a structure of a scientific revolution. So none of these are spiritual books, but they were to me. I'm realizing that now, as I talk at the time, when I read your bio, I was like, how come I didn't know about spiritual stuff when I was a kid? And then I was like, oh, but you kind of did, you just found it different. So I didn't have any of those things, but I had these philosophical ideas. And then I had the freedom because I went to a really out of the box, think the Lord above school uh, where I could just write whatever I wanted to. And so I was just inspired and and it really, I think, gave me my cosmology and my way of understanding the world at the age of maybe like 15, 16. Still dark. There was no happiness in that period of time, but there was that desire to understand, to know, to learn. And I think they were the seeds planted for what I do today.
0: Does that teacher know? You need to go back and
1: tell them. I hope so. He passed over in the last oh, year, but- You can still tell him. <laughs> yeah, we talk all the time, but I did have the opportunity to see him not so long ago before he passed. And um, he's been a regular part of my world since he's crossed over.
0: Oh, I'm so glad.
1: So he definitely knows now. I see him now <laughs> with his little thumbs up. So yeah, <laughs> so he was my angel. And I think that goes to speak to, you know, we have these angels like Wayne Dyer that talked so many lives with his work. And we also have, you know, our angels that, you know, are my high school teacher who then became a college professor who I know touched so many lives that way. And uh, so it doesn't really matter if, you, if you're if you a bestseller or not, like we're all angels, right? We're all awakening each other one drop at a time.
0: That's beautiful.
1: Yeah, it's very cool. The other question that I would love to ask you is, do you ever find that joy is a hard sell?
0: <laughs> you know, I'm kind of careful about it, truthfully, because it's like the only thing that I really focus on these days is my Oasis group, the the group that meets weekly. I have on my website that I do, you know, individual sessions, but I don't like push that at all really, because to me, a one-off session is never going to really do much for anybody. So I have this Oasis group and I really try to make sure that it's the fitting energy. And I do that for me and for the client. I don't want anybody coming in who's not ready to really open up to joy in their life because that's what we're all about. And we learn so much from one another and benefit so much from one another that we all have to kind of be in that place. So yes, when somebody is interested in, you know, I'm miserable, how are you going to make me happy? I can kind of read that energy coming in and I'll, you know, I have a lot of coaches and therapists that are good friends of mine that I can direct to them too. And, you know, I really think that this is a better place for you at this time. I don't know that joy school is the right fit for you because I I really do need to protect the energy of the group for the members who are already there. And anybody who is at that curious place where they just recognize that they're not feeling the peace and joy and contentment that they want they're having you know more frustration than they want and they're at that place where they're really ready to do something about it and want to up level to a higher vibration a higher way of being in their lives they're they're perfect and they're ripe and they're going to add to the group and it's going to be synchronous and and all of that. So, so yeah, I don't ever try to sell joy, I guess. Is it, you know, is it a hard sell? Probably. <laughs> if I were just out there <laughs> saying, you know, <laughs> you know, come be happy. It really needs to be like, I'll just sit here as the magnet and the right people will be drawn to me. <laughs> right. Which is the
1: way to go. But I love what you said too, because you recognize, I mean, I always think about joy shouldn't be a hard sell. Right, because it's what everybody wants. Yeah. Right. But there are so many blocks to it. Potentially, we don't have to have any blocks to it. But so many of us have, have had conditioning such that we experience so many blocks to it that sometimes, yeah, we don't even there's a very loud part of ourselves that doesn't even want us to be happy, right?
0: Those negative hormones, those negative chemicals are addicting. They they yeah. absolutely become addictive. And it goes back to you know, fear versus love, people who are more rooted in a fear energy. Then you know if you let your eye off the ball, it's going to get you. That monster, that boogeyman, whatever it is, is going to get you. So you got to keep your eye on the ball, hundred percent of the time, and that's going to keep you in that very dense low place. But it's a a safety mechanism for a lot of people, and they just can't break out of that.
1: Yeah, no, that is so well put. So well put. So what are some of the skills or tools that you know your favorite ones that you share in Joy School?
0: Oh my gosh, there are so many. I mean, it depends where we are in in the process. One of the things that um, I love to do is reverse engineering practices where you sort of pick a day out. You can do it for anything. You can do it if you have a hot date or a tricky phone call. You can see yourself at the end of that date, the end of that phone call. And I I always have the joy scholars just don't get caught up in the specifics of how you want it to go, but just how do you want to feel? at the end of this. What is the feeling state you want to be in? Be there, give so much gratitude, like, oh, that call could not have gone better. That was perfect. I felt so connected to the person. We understood one another. We are to the point where we're sharing a common purpose and how we want to move forward. Whatever it is, vividly, vividly spend time imagining that. And it just makes such a difference in the the little things and the big things. One of my favorite
1: tools? Ah, I don't want to say tool anymore. <laughs> it's a
0: good word. It's a good word.
1: It was specific for me. And I don't want people to start being the word police either. Cause I've noticed when I work with others or the guides, but also when I say things in class and then people are like editing themselves, don't be the word police in your head. These are just subtle changes. And sometimes it's going to resonate for you and it might be good to take a break from the word tools and other times just ignore me. Right. It's, it's really what fits for you, but anyhow,
0: go ahead. <laughs> That did resonate for me though. I, I understand that. But cool. Yeah. like you said, it can be used to build something, but also could be used to fix. So I like that a lot. Uh, I was just going to say like a, a reverse engineering, if your audience wanted to try this, that I love to do is imagine yourself a month out. Imagine that y'all are here with me and Victoria right now, and we're going to do a reunion one month from now. And we're going to ask y'all, like, you know, what, what's been going on? How's life? How are you feeling? What's, what's happening? And we haven't seen each other in that time. And you're going to describe the past month as vividly with as much emotion and joy as you can possibly bring to this amazing month that you just had. You're so grateful for everything just unfolding the way you wanted it to in this past month. And you do that in your phone, on your voice recorder. You listen to yourself. It's great to do this the first of the month. You know, it's the end of March, whatever month you're in. And it's just been so amazing to me, you know, on an internal basis, I learned this and I figured this out and I'm feeling more confident about this. And maybe, you know, externally, these things sorted themselves out. And then you listen to that every day that month, every morning you get up and you listen to your own voice, your own words, and you let it inspire those feelings in you. Because if we can embody the feelings that we want to have beforehand, that's what opens the energy so that all these things can happen so that we can have these feelings. Oh, I love that.
1: I'm getting tingles when I, I'm going to totally do that. I might not wait till the first of the month though. I might just do it Uh now, (laughs) but no, that's amazing. And I often tell people, and I don't know what you think about this, but, and we're going to get into the law of attraction because we're starting to get into that conversation as well now, but You know, It's about creating and and inviting in more of what you want to feel. And when we vibe with joy, we invite more of that in. But it's also about feeling good now. Because when you do that, you are feeling good. You are feeling like, wow, I, I do have this. Yeah, I am on top of this. Yeah, things are going well. And you're listening to that and you're feeling that. So you're not necessarily doing it because you want to bring that in. Although it will happen. You're doing that because you want to experience it
0: now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This is the moment that we're creating our next moment and our next and our next.
1: Yeah. And so you get to, it's, you know, joy is the gift that keeps on giving where you can find it now. You can find it, you know, now, which is the only moment there is anyway, but it will, it will keep blossoming and blooming. Yeah. That's why I love daydreaming too, right? Positive daydreaming. It's like, we're all told in school, quit daydreaming and come back to your, you know, your math. And if you love math, I, I don't always love math, but if you love math, then please stay with the math. But but daydreaming is, it's magical, right? When you're daydreaming about positive things and, and joyful things, I mean, it brings you in into the zone.
0: Absolutely. And sometimes that's like just a has to be made a deliberate practice because we get into our set points. We have a joy set point and whatever's become our set point. And that could have happened from a rough period where we never really celebrated the end of the rough period. Right. I, I and you know, I think you and I talked about this before, but it's killing me that we're we're practically wrapping up COVID now and there's not like this moment of worldwide celebration and joy because we finally put to rest this thing because Kind of, I feel, with our heavy, heavy energy, we've created a new horrible thing. You know, that's that's just one energetic perspective. But it's like we have to sometimes deliberately put ourselves into that joyful state. Otherwise, it just becomes a set point that gets comfortable. And habits are hard to break. It just is all about habits. It's habits of thought, habits of where we pay our attention.
1: Yeah. No, you said so much. And I think, you know, individually, but definitely collectively, we are in a world that is in the habit of catastrophe and a habit. And, and now of course we have that more because we just went through two years of a global pandemic. So we're all, you know, that, that global pain body is really, 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 she's well-fed or he's well-fed. And so, yeah. And, You know, one of my teachers was saying for a really long time, she's like, with COVID, she's like, yeah, this will go on until the next thing comes. That's what she always said, like this until like something else gets everyone's attention. And that's exactly what happened, right? Now it's like, oh, COVID's done because we have like another catastrophe. We're all done with that one. That's over. We're tired of that, but let's hop into the next one. And I think, but I want to hear what you think that this happens for us a lot of times individually too when we're not super conscious. We go from drama to drama to drama to drama. One gets old and it doesn't grab our attention as much anymore, you know? And so we just find a new one.
0: Absolutely. We've been talking about that a lot, the microcosm and the macrocosm. And like, I always talked about this energy hose coming out of your third eye, right in the middle of your head. I have people imagine like, this is your, your energy hose. This is your attention wherever you're pointing it, whatever you're, you're giving your attention to that's what you're watering. That's what's going to grow. And even if there's this like Big, nasty problem that you're paying attention to, paying attention to, paying attention to, even if you somehow are able to kind of wrangle it under control, you've watered the seeds of the weeds all around that problem for so long that something else is going to spring up. It's, it's just energy. It's just, you know, unless we can hold the vision of a solution, even if we don't know what the solution is, hold the vision of how a solution will feel, how the energy of a solution will, will feel in our bones and our bodies. Unless we can hold that, we are just watering the essence of this problem so that even if this particular problem runs its course somehow, there's going to be more of that essence of the problem.
1: That's beautiful. That's so well put, and that image is so powerful. And you're making me think of a question that I've posed to my own guides in my own life recently. So I want to throw it at you and see what you get. You know, there's this balance. We talked a little bit about presence. We talked a little bit about whatever comes up, seeing it, being aware of it, not getting sucked into it. And we've also talked about redirecting, right yourself to focus on the solution rather than the problem. Sometimes where my mind gets stuck up until now is like this idea, like, I don't want a wallpaper paste over the pain. You know, I like, I want to have, yeah, there you are. I see you, but I'm going to focus there now. You know, I don't know if I'm making any sense, but what's the balance there? Because, you know, part of us have been taught, well, you you can't stuff it down, right? But at the same time, you don't want to wallow in it.
0: So I want to know what you say to that. One of my teaching partners at Joy School, Rob Matt calls it putting a smiley sticker over a cesspool. It's like you, exactly you can't. <laughs> yeah. for breezing it, you know, that freeze. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's the one that I always get like, it still stinks, it still
0: stinks, yes. and you, you want to know it. <laughs> yes, so so yeah, I don't know that I'm gonna have the like ultimate wisest answer here, but what I always feel is that our emotions are messengers our emotions are here to tell us something never shoot the messenger embrace the messenger let yourself feel the totality of the emotion just don't stay there let yourself feel it let yourself say wow this really 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 sucks i mean activism throughout the ages people had to have gotten pissed before they could work toward a solution but train yourself to let that messenger be a alarm to say where would this be better what would make not even what would make this better, but what would it look like if we were on the other side of this? How would that be? And then from there, even though you can't see the staircase, if you can hold the vision of the better thing, the solution long enough, that's when the staircase starts to appear, even if it's just one little step at a time. But the staircase isn't going to show itself to us while we're down there in the muck of the problem. So it's just a deliberate turning of the attention to, all right, I don't like this. What would I like? What would I like this to be? What would I love in in this situation right now, and then holding that vision with the faith that the staircase is going to appear. I love that, and I'm
1: getting to. You want to do that intuitively because I'm sometimes trying to fix that with my mind, which tends to pull you down the staircase. And again, you you said that because you said don't try to figure out how to get there. Right? Just just hold that energy. And the other thing that comes through when you say this is that you know when we hold the energy of the solution and the problem together there's a beautiful like you said digestion process or a transmutation right that's where the magic happens where we can okay i see this this perceived problem but i also can feel into the solution and then you know the problem starts
0: to melt it loses its punch loses its yes. hold Yes, nothing can stay alive without our feeding it. If we don't feed it our attention, if we don't feed it that concentration of, of energy, we can stay aware of it. It's not like we want to, you know, wear blinders and not see the problem. But when we can divest it of the, the huge emotional pull, we're draining it of energy.
1: Right. And your guide and my guides, maybe your guides, (laughs) guides, someone's guides right now are giving me the answer to the question that I really asked because there's that part of us, we we alluded this before about three times already in this conversation, there's that part that wants to keep the pain alive. And so that part's like, see me, hear me, don't leave me. And you can say, I see you, I hear you, (laughs) I I honor you. Um, But I want to help you now and support you now by letting you know that we don't have to be this way right? That this isn't real and that we're going to look over here now. We're going to look at the solution.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. In Joy School, we have a whole thing around wanting, that there is an incorrect and a correct way to want something. And if you want something and you notice that the wanting of it feels bad, you're doing nothing effective to manifest it. The wanting has to feel Good because if you're wanting something and wanting it feels bad, then you're way more focused on the lack of it in your life, or maybe you're not feeling that you deserve it, or maybe you're actually afraid of it. There's all different reasons why wanting can feel bad, but if wanting pulls your energy down, you're not manifesting it. That's like the opposite of manifestation. You're going to keep it at arm's length. If wanting feels good and exciting and juicy, it means that you're in the right position to open the channels energetically to have this thing that you want. That's beautiful.
1: All right. I want to make sure that we, we've we been talking about it the whole time, but we haven't talked about it explicitly yet. Let's talk about the law of attraction and joy and how those two things work together.
0: Cool beans. Oh, it's not a specific question. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was the whole question.
0: I can try to get more specific uh, if you need me to. Yeah, we do a lot with the law of attraction, but to me, it's just like, it's such a, I always say we travel two parallel paths in joy school. The one path is that we learn how to be happy within ourselves, how to be peaceful, joyful, how to find that soul core essence that every one of us possesses. And that's really the important path. And then the other path is... We're here for a human life and it's juicy and fun and exciting to want stuff and get it because that's kind of like what we're here to do. So the other path is manifesting those things in the external that we want. We've been trained to believe that having the things in the external is what's going to give us this internal happiness. And it's actually completely the other way around. Once we get better at cranking up the internal piece, the internal happiness, no matter what's going on out here in the external, that's when the law of attraction starts working for us and we can manifest smoothly, seamlessly, but it's really like two things that have to be given equal weight while we're doing it. Because we all know how to, the core basics of the law of attraction, you have to like focus on what you want, get yourself in a place of deserving of what you want, hold the vision of what you want. But none of that is going to work unless we know how to actually have a good high vibration frequency inside ourselves, because otherwise we're just going to keep manifesting whatever we've been manifesting. We haven't changed our vibration.
1: Right. And in what you said too about wanting and the energy of wanting, right? At a sort of first of all, when you want something that you don't think you can have, you're probably not going to get it very easily. But also, sometimes we want things from that lower bandwidth. We get them, but they don't necessarily bring us joy. So to me, the joy is primary. Learning how to live in joy is really all you want. And people that use the law of attraction from that ego place where they, they want to have what they want. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. Sometimes, you know, I will attract something like a parking space or, you know, a really cool pair of shoes or whatever, <laughs> whatever hey. it is, just because I want them, because I'm a human being and why not? But when we learn to live in joy and we learn to create from joy, like it, it just keeps giving and giving and giving. And it's surprising too, right? Because when you create from joy, you don't even have to think about what you're trying to create anymore. Your joy creates it for you and your joy is way smarter than your mind ever could be. That was so
0: beautiful. Yes, that is exactly it. I love that. That's true. And we, we talk a lot also about like our soul desires versus our ego desires. And it's okay to have ego desires like the pair of shoes or the parking spot, whatever. That's totally fun. We're human beings here. We came here to be human beings, but manifesting soul desires. I feel like we go about a little bit differently than manifesting ego desires. Ego desires have to be done lightly. All manifesting actually has to be done lightly. The, the more like we talk about, we're just moving pieces around the game board and the more we can see all of the out there is just, moving pieces around the game board, the more overall joyful circumstances are gonna come to us because sometimes what we point to and identify out there as I think that thing is gonna bring me joy, doesn't. We, we, we're we actually not very smart about knowing what's going to bring us true joy and happiness. When we lock into our soul desires, it's much more likely that those will bring us the joy and happiness that we're looking for. But a lot of our ego desires are just misdirects anyway. they're <laughs> I want to go get that thing. Oh, that thing sucked. Now I want to go get that thing. All right. But let's have fun getting it along the way and, and not get too caught up in it.
1: Yeah. I often teach like it's oftentimes those things are things that we've been taught we should want.
0: hmm Yes. Right?
1: there's associations or we learned that you know someone had this thing as a kid and you know they had it and I was jealous of it and now I want and it's all good. I've had some of those things and they can be. And sometimes those ego desires, I had someone in a class once say she's just obsessed with Louis Vuitton bags. And it's like the only thing that she wants in the world because she grew up in a family where they were very frugal, like you didn't do luxuries and every time she splurges and spends her money on something that's quote-unquote luxurious over the top, like it does feed her soul because it makes her think like, oh, you know, I can have this and I can take care of myself and I can, you know, have these luxuries and spoil myself. So that might seem like a very materialistic thing, but it it, it feeds her. It makes her feel joy. And it's a way that she knows to care for herself.
0: I love that example. I love that because yes, you would think that like, oh, the Louis Vuitton bag, she thinks that's going to make her happy. But when you understand the how and the why and the history... There's nothing off limits. There's nothing that's, you know, that you can discount as a a valid or invalid desire for sure. My soul loves sparkly shoes.
1: Just so you know, she does. Ah! The crazier, the better. I love them. But again, my happy creates more happy. You know, it surprises me all the time. My excitement, my enthusiasm, like those energies where they have taken me. I mean, it's shocking. And a lot of times it's, you know, sometimes there's a wish list fulfilled Um, because I have learned the universe is always listening to me. And sometimes I'm like, oh, did I manifest that? I remember wanting that. I forgot I wanted that, but there it is. But sometimes too, it's the joy shows you what will bring you joy. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: yay! We have these, these like a couple of things in our human existence that we all almost like bottomlessly want. We bottomlessly want money. We bottomlessly want physical attractiveness and fitness. We, you know, Bottomlessly want power. Some of us that it's just like when you look back on your life and you see like, okay, so when you got that big bunch of money, how happy did it really make you? Or this, or this. You know, most of the things that we think we want are not really going to give us the happiness that we want. So I love the the Louis Vuitton example of of why that that brought her that satisfaction. Right,
1: and I I'm not against material things personally. I got a Taurus moon and a Taurus rising. So I'm someone who takes a lot of comfort from those physical pleasures. I learned this from my astrologer coach years ago because I'm also a Pisces sun sign. So like I was like but I'm why am I so materialistic? <laughs> but I really <laughs> love I love the creature comforts of life. It's just how I'm wired, right? But I also understand there's a difference between abundance and stuff and things and money. And money often is the conduit for abundance for many of us because that's how the world works. But you can have zero bucks and still have everything that you need because abundance is really the flow of joy of the universe of of whatever you need or or desire when you desire it flowing towards you. And so you don't even need money to get that. Sometimes it's helpful um, because of the way the human world works, but it's just like joy. It's not the end game right? To abundance. Having money is not the end game to abundance. Abundance and that uh, you know, feeling into your own abundant nature
0: is how you attract money. If, if that's the way your soul wants to play it. So well said. Absolutely. Yep. It's a mindset. Abundance is just a mindset.
1: I love this conversation and I could go on forever, but I am mindful of time. We'll have you on again though. What else? What have we not talked about yet? Enjoy that you really want my listeners to know before we wrap up?
0: I think we've touched on joy a lot. Talk about like intuition and joy, because I know that's for Jam, and I'm so fascinated by the whole intuition piece.
1: I think that's a great question. And I want to send it back to you, but I'll I'll start the ping-pong game. I think that intuition, you know, well, everyone who listens to my show knows what I think intuition is, right? I think it's our spiritual GPS that connects us to our soul. And I think we always when we're doing anything, we we'll always want to move into the space of intuition. When we're receiving information, when we're receiving information in joy school, how does it resonate with us? When we're setting an intention, when we're imagining a solution, do that intuitively. Don't do that with your brain. I have to figure out how this problem will be solved. That's your mind. Intuition says, show me the solution. Show me how I want to feel when this problem is solved. Show me the steps if the steps need to be part of this process right now. Show me what resonates with me. About what Victoria and Lisa are talking about in today's episode, right? That's where intuition comes in, and so it's it, to me, it's the critical piece of everything.
0: Absolutely, yeah. It's to me, I, I always sort of just associate it with with faith. It's not something that you're going to maybe initially get a lot of hardcore scientific like verification when you're tapping into it. It's just trusting that that feeling in certain. Communications with your soul is a different feeling, a different vibration from other. Because we all have those voices, we all have those voices from our childhood. Those those beliefs that that feed us information, and and really being able to sort out. No, I think that that voice is one of the things that we say in Joy School: is your soul doesn't think you suck. So if you're yes. getting any messaging about any story of how you suck, that's not your inner wisdom talking to you.
1: <laughs> that Never. is some
0: old belief that got in there. Yeah. So yeah, I I'm fascinated by what you do. I absolutely am so impressed with you, as you know. And uh-huh. um, I'll I'll just do a little. plug Victoria did a meeting for me that really, really shifted some things for me in a powerful way. So thank you for that so much. Thank you. It was
1: so much fun. It was so much fun. And I love what I do. And again, it's the entry point for me, it's intuition. And that's the center of what I teach and what I do for you. It's joy, but we're both doing the same thing. (laughs) We're both doing the same darn thing. Um, I asked this question to everyone on the show. So thank you for reminding me. How do
0: you experience your intuition? How do I experience my intuition? I I think I want to try to not have too much humility about it. And at the same time, say that I I definitely don't experience it the way that you and many of my, my very talented friends do. I don't feel that the things that I know are anything outside of, I'm going to say regular people would know, <laughs> muggles would know, right? But I do have a connection that I feel like is what I'm going to call my intuition. I am able to get still and quiet and connect with something that's not of this plane. I I know that I can feel that within me. So I feel like I can, I don't want to say get my own answers in a super clear cut, go do this today way, but get my own answers in terms of direction and in terms of what to focus on and where to be led and where to focus. I I feel like I have what for me works as a really clear, intuitive connection, even though it's not um, maybe feeding me information The the way I'm fascinated by that other people like get information. Oh, I
1: so want to call BS on all of that. But I'm oh, going to no. let you off <laughs> the hook for right now. Yeah. First of all, we all have a connection. Second of all, and I think this is okay if I do this, my read on you is through your writing, through your teaching, you are a thousand percent connecting with your guidance and your intuition. That is what is helping you know how to share, what to do, what to write, what to put together. Who to bring into your classes? That's all 100% intuitively guided. They're saying when you met your life partner, it was intuitively guided. You knew when you when you chose to have a session with yours truly, it was intuitively guided. It was a feeling, a kinesthetic knowing that oh, right, there's hundred people out there. Why did you choose me? It's not because you know I have an Ivy League degree or we're on the same whatever. It was a feeling, right? So all of that is your intuition, and I will tell you. In case you don't know, you're very kinesthetic. So you're a feeler. You can feel the you just gotta chill. You can feel the energy, right? You can feel the shifts in energy. And that's one of my primary ways of getting information too, where intuition feels different than thought. Not everyone, you know, we all experience intuition in different ways, but for me, kinesthetically, I can feel the energy of things. Intuition feels higher, right? And you get the physical nudges as well. You feel like it's if I'm reading you correctly, it's like it's like a pull. Okay. So I'm answering your question
0: for you. I will own all of that. Yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you. I own that. Yeah, and
1: sometimes too, I think that, and, and this is why I love teaching intuition development. So many people don't recognize, like you look at, okay, I know people and they get it like this and they get it like Victoria and they do this and they do that. And and I had this with my own teachers, right? There were certain things that some of my teachers would do. I still don't do those things. That's not how I experience my intuition. I've been doing this for a living for over a decade and I think I'm pretty good at it, but I do it my way and you have to do it your way. And everyone's intuitive and we all have, our intuition speaks to us in its own unique code. So tapping into your intuition is about learning how it's working for you Following wherever it guides you, you may not be someone who wants to do intuitive readings for a living. Um, sometimes I'm not someone who wants to do that. You know, it's, it varies. Yeah, mostly I love it, but again, it's always speaking to us. It's always there for us, and it's always perfectly suited for the task at hand for what we are here to do. So, just wanted to give you that. Hallelujah! That was beautiful. Yay, Lisa. People are totally going to want to do this. They're totally going to want to find your books, your programs, tell people what they are and how to do that.
0: This is a terrible thing that I'm going to say because, you know, we're just being real here, but don't go get my last book. (laughs) Okay. My Hay House book was the last book I wrote under my name. I've done a lot of ghost writing for other spiritual teachers, but my Hay House book, Juicy Joy, is the most recent book. If you really want to, okay. But um, the the book that I'm writing now is just that plus everything in the last 10 years that I've learned. So I really wasn't even drawn to write another book. A publisher gave me the opportunity to write it. And I had to think about it because I really enjoy teaching at this point more than writing. And I teach all my people, just follow your joy. You know, and so i Thought like, why would I go back to writing? But the reason I'm writing the new book is so that people stop reading the old book. <laughs> oh my God, you're hysterical. It happens, like we grow and we evolve and then we look back and we're kind of like cringy about like us 10 years ago. I don't know. Anyway, there's a new book coming out next year. It's called Um A Year of Joy, 12 months of I can't remember the subtitle now, but something about like unearthing the bliss that you are going to be really good. And it's got all my joy training that I do now in it, but um, I'd love to welcome you to my podcast, uh, do joy, or you can uh, come to my website, Lisa McCourt.com and check out uh, my, my joy school right now. The only thing happening in joy school is my Oasis group that meets every week at the Institute for creative living joy school has sort of gotten under the umbrella of the Institute for creative living, which I'm enjoying a lot. But I, I keep it two separate things because sometimes I offer other workshops. There is a workshop coming up, but I think by the time this airs, it will have passed. So check the Institute for Creative Living dot org or Lisa dot com and you can see what workshops and things are going on and you can check out Oasis. All right. We'll put all those
1: links in the show notes too. We're going to put the book there too, if Lisa doesn't mind, because you know, you might feel like you've done more, but some listeners may still feel drawn to that title and might still get
0: something out of it because
1: I have it on my table. I didn't think it was so bad. I've been reading it, I've been enjoying
0: it. Oh, you're so cute. It's not bad. It's got a lot of the core (laughs) principles that I still expound on, but um, I Love You, Stinky Face is my long, long, long standing uh, book for kids that it's been heralded for helping parents build kids who who have inherent self-love and self-worth. And that's one that's been... In print for 20 something years. It's one of my, my best bread and butter projects and All it's right. a kids book. So I love you stinky face. I still proudly push, especially in the LGBTQ community where it's been used a lot lately. All right. I'll
1: be grabbing that one for me too. Cause I'm sure my inner child will love it. Uh, Lisa, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much. I'm so glad we connected. Me too, sweetheart. I love you. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for tuning in and namaste. I hope to see you there. And of course, if you want to learn more about me or the work that I do, please check out my webpage, victoriashawintuitive.com. Thank you so much again, and namaste.
0: If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz.